I still remember elementary school lunches like they were yesterday. We would all come in and sit at the table, and my mom would pack simple, healthy lunches, like usually peanut butter and jelly, carrot sticks, pretzels, apple, and sometimes a yogurt. But I wanted the good stuff. And don't call it junk food. That stuff tastes amazing. I mean, it may be 90% sugar and carbs, but who really cares when you burn it off in five minutes in gym class? Now was the time when we would sit down at the table, at the lunch table, to negotiate the art of the deal. I was going to get that tasty cake. I mean, in central Pennsylvania, there were so many good snack foods to have. I mean, after all, central Pennsylvania is known as the snack food capital of the world. If you don't believe me, just Google it. The bartering was intense, but when it was done, there was no take backs. I had my snack food and, and I was just so excited and just couldn't wait to eat it. Part of this is because in my house, snack foods were scarce. And so we were playing for keeps. In contrast, my good friend TJ down the street had this thing that was special. They had TJ's magic fridge. Now this was no ordinary kitchen fridge. Nope. Nope. On a hot, sweaty day when we were out riding our bikes and fixing something, who knows what, we would go into the garage and open the door. The magic fridge would, there would almost be like a smoke that would come out and you would feel this cool rush of air as it blew past you. And you could almost hear the angels going, ta-da. And behold, a whole fridge of nothing but soda and juice boxes. Every layer a different kind. Grape soda and root beer and ginger ale and Coke. And it was just full and, and there was an abundance, more than you could drink. And if you had one can, you could have an extra one. And it was magical. The thing never ran empty. Oh, I know as an adult that nothing is free and that his parents stocked that thing. But it was magical to me. There was something magical about their generosity and, and how you know, I could get whatever I wanted. Maybe you know somebody who has a magic fridge or who lives from a place of abundance and generosity. We all like being around people that are generous and thankful. Why? Because it inspires a sense of wonder. There, there's a spark that reminds us of what is beautiful and good in the world especially when life is hard and we experience disappointment. But so often, I don't know if you're like me, I'm still stuck back at middle school lunch bartering for life, just trying to make it through and struggling because there, there's a scarcity and I need more or I need this thing. And I'm struggling and, and I often get stuck in a place of bartering. And maybe you're there this morning too. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that, but that's where we often are. We're bartering and struggling for that next promotion at work. Or we're bartering and struggling with that relationship that just isn't going the way that we want it to. Or we're bartering and struggling with our health. And we get stuck in this place of negotiation, trying to figure out the art of the deal. Maybe if that's you this morning, maybe this message is going to touch something or maybe God has something for us this morning. And so this morning, we're going to pick up our story of Hannah that we looked at last week. And we're going to look at how Hannah's heart dealt with her barrenness and struggle and disappointment. Last week, we saw how Hannah struggled with grief and how she was misunderstood by not only her husband, but also by the priest at the temple as she prayed and poured out her heart before the Lord. 
So let's pick up the story there in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house, that's the temple. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and do not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever on his head. Now, verse 11, I want us to see this. She says, look at me, look at me. You know, painful things can be hard to look at. We're often tempted to look away. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, it's hard to watch a baby cry. And we want them to stop, not only because they're in pain, but because of what it stirs up inside of me. Like, I don't like seeing this child just with alligator tears and and the pain, and like, it, it stirs emotion inside of me. And yet, Hannah says, she's begging God, look at me, see my pain, see my heart. God, I'm in grief, I'm in anguish, will you just see me? And then she promises God, God, if you will only give me a son, he will be a Nazarite, which means he'll be devoted or dedicated to God. Scripture has a history of people making Nazarite vows. Some of us may remember Samson or later John the Baptist. And Paul even had a season of being a Nazarite. But the focus here is not on the vow itself, but on this life of dedication to God. You see, Hannah was essentially promising God. She's saying, If you will be generous towards me, I will be generous towards you. She's just pouring out her heart and she's just looking at God and saying, God, would you just meet me in this moment? And if you do, if you're generous towards me, God, I'll just, I will give you not only my life, I will give you my son. And the story goes on and it picks up in verse 17. And and Eli hears her prayer and he answers her and he says, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And the promise hasn't even been fulfilled yet, but Hannah already knows that she has been seen and heard, and it makes a world of difference. Her whole countenance has changed, and and she has this sense of hope. She has this sense that that God has seen her, and she knows that, that this is the God of abundance, that God's mighty and strong hand is with her. And, and she goes and she eats and she goes home. She's excited because she knows that she is not alone. And and I've been there in this moment, and maybe you have too. And I remember when Jen had her brain surgery, but we just had a sense that God was with us. And we didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but we, we knew that God saw us. And there was a sense of peace there. And that's where Hannah is in this moment. She has this promise that God has seen her. And it hasn't yet been fulfilled, but she already has this peace in her heart. And the story picks up and the second half of verse 19, it says, And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she gave him the name Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. I love that. And the name Samuel in Hebrew literally means God has heard. God has heard. God heard me. God saw me. God saw me at the point of my grief and my pain. And this is the point where she is just overwhelmed with thanksgiving. 
She's overwhelmed by what God has done for her because God met her in this moment. And so she names her son. God has heard. God has seen me. Picking up in verse 21. When her husband, Elkanah, went up with all of his family to offer their annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. And she said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until he is weaned. Only may the Lord make good his word. And so the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. Now, what I want us to see here is Hannah's heart. Uh, this idea of bargaining versus gratitude. Last week, we looked at the five stages of grief and how one of them is bargaining. Bargaining is about negotiation. It's trying to get as much as possible for as little as possible. This is where we all turn into used car salesmen. And we, we're trying to negotiate and we're trying to, to get what we want. And there's often manipulation that comes with this. And it often comes out of desperation and a scarcity mindset. And I'm not trying to shame us because we've all been there and I've been there too. But gratitude comes from a different place. Gratitude comes from a place of generosity. And it's about, about saying, what I have is yours. It's living with open hands. Bargaining and bartering says, no take backs. I get to keep what I got but it tries to weasel out of its end of the bargain. In other words, it lacks integrity. It's like saying, God, if you will only let my team win the Super Bowl, then I will pray every day and go to church. Or if only you'll let me date this guy, then, then I will do, I'll be a good girl. It's this negotiation where we're trying to get God to do what we want. And if by chance we get the guy or our team wins, we often forget our side of the deal because we got what we wanted. But how do we know that this wasn't where Hannah was? Hannah wasn't just bargaining with God. We had, she had a generous heart. And we don't really know that until we follow the rest of the story. Hannah actually could have backed out of her deal according to Hebrew law. This was new to me, I didn't know this. But Hannah had a way out. You see, her husband could have undone her vow. Numbers 30 verses 11 to 13 allows a husband to nullify a vow made by his wife if he registers an objection when he learns of it. However, if he says nothing, the vow is allowed as valid. The next time Elkanah goes to Shiloh, Hannah remains at home to care for the child, but tells him that she will present the boy to the Lord when he is weaned. And Elkanah responds, do what you think is best. You see, they're in this thing together. He trusts his wife and he allows the vow to stand as valid. And, and Hannah could have backed out, but she chose not to. Second, there's a second way that, that Hannah could have backed out. She could have redeemed the vow by making a donation, which would have released her from her promise to God. Leviticus 27 verses 6 says, For as little as five shekels of silver, which was a lot of money, but not compared to a child, she could have made a donation to the temple, which would have released her from her vow. I mean, I think I would have done this. If I was in her shoes, like, 
the idea of I could have fulfilled my end of the bargain and nobody would have looked down on me. But that wasn't the deal for Hannah. She, she was functioning out of a heart of generosity and she knew that what she wanted to do. And, and we see this because her heart is devoted. Not only does she fulfill her vow, but she goes above and beyond. She goes to the place of generosity. In verse 24, it says that after the boy was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, which is a lot, and a skin of wine, and brought it to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. There must have been a party and a festival at Shiloh that day. But there's this idea of just generosity because it flows out of a heart of thankfulness. Hannah is saying, you saw me, I see you. It's so important for us to be seen and then to see God in return. This is a generosity of saying, God, thank you so much for what you have done in my life. God, thank you for redeeming me. Thank you, God, for what you are doing and stirring in my life that I just want to, it just flows out of us. And this is where Hannah is. She's just saying, God, thank you so much for meeting me in this point of need. And the generosity just flows. Well, today, as we move into the Thanksgiving season, I want to give us four tips for gratitude, four different ways for which we can look to the Lord and allow our hearts to just flow from the abundance of what God has done for us, to move beyond bargaining and bartering to a place of blessing, to where we are just moving, God is stirring in us and, and just functioning out of a place of thanksgiving and gratitude. So I want to, I want to give us four tips for how we can do that. But as a way to do that, I want to turn to Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. It's a story from the New Testament. And now Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And, and as he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, 10 lepers um, stood before him. And they were at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten clean? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, there's, there's four things that I want us to see, not only from this story, but also from the story of Hannah. And the first one is this, that, that we need to recognize God's hand. We, we, we have to be grateful for, for what he has done, but we have to see it first. We have to recognize that we're healed, that we're set free, and that God has actually moved in our lives. For the leper, they were on their way, and, and he recognizes, he looks down and he's like, I'm healed. He sees and knows that it was God. For us, we have to recognize that God has saved us and set us free or, or that God has moved in some powerful way in our life. And so often I forget this. So often I, I forget to stop and look around in my world and say, God, what have you done? You have blessed me and to actually recognize God's blessing in my life. Verse 15 says that they saw that they were healed. First, we have to have eyes to see the blessings all around us. We often take things for granted, 
But this Thanksgiving, where we function from a place of just gratitude, and it's about remembering and seeing. Remember how Hannah named her son, that God has heard me. She remembered. And that's what's true for each and every one of us. The same is true for us, that we would see God's hand in our lives. The second point for gratitude is is to acknowledge that it was God and to take time to thank him in prayer. So only one actually turns back. Only one thanked Jesus. Only one did this. But it's important for us to stop and to pray, whether maybe it's before a meal or before bed, that we stop and reflect on our day and say, God, thank you so much. And we actually talk to him. First, we have to recognize it, but then we have to talk to him and say, God, thank you so much for what you are doing. We live in such a fast-paced world that we often stop, we fail to stop and just take a moment and say, wow, God, thank you, thank you. Thank you for, for the meal that we are about to eat, that this just didn't happen by accident. God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for my health that I'm able to be here today. And, and maybe our health isn't perfect, but thank you for what you have given me. It's important to stop and to thank. You see, Hannah could have simply gone on worrying about her pregnancy or worrying about raising a child or worrying about the next thing. The leper could have worried about showing himself to the priest or worrying about finding his family that he probably hasn't seen in years or worrying about finding a house to live in next. We could always go to the next thing, but they didn't. They stopped and gave thanks. I know I am so prone to this. That with each accomplishment, I move on to the next thing and worry about the next thing and the next thing and worrying this is this endless cycle. And God calls us to stop and to celebrate the milestones. This is one of the things that the epilepsy has taught Jen and I, that in the midst of the hardest battles, it's important to celebrate. We, what we celebrate, we replicate. And it helps us to keep our eyes on the bigger picture. It helps us to keep our eyes on God. And that's what it's all about. So like the one leper who came back to thank and to celebrate us, let's take time to pray and to thank God. The third tip is, is for gratitude, and it's to acknowledge it to other people. Talk about what God has done in our, in our world and in our life. The leper did it in a loud voice. He proclaimed it for all to hear. He was not embarrassed. He was grateful. This is our testimony. This is where we begin to share like that God has changed me. I used to be a selfish person, and God set me free. Or I used to be stuck in addiction and God set me free. Or I used to be, and you fill in the blank. But God has changed me. I'm a totally new person. I've been set free. And it, it's important to talk about this to other people. To be willing to talk about the good things that God has done in our lives. It's so easy for me to be negative. And it's important for us to think about ways in which God has met us in our time of need. It's so easy to point out the flaws of others or to point out the things that I don't have. It's so easy to be negative, but, but God calls us to think about what he has done for us and to actually give gratitude to other people and to give glory to God. And finally, my final tip for, for generosity right now is, is that we would live a life of generosity like Hannah that her thankfulness led her to a place of living with open hands, that she, was, she had a generous heart and it just flowed from her in a way that just was, it wasn't even a bother. 
This is what Thanksgiving season is all about. And so this week, I I challenge us to live from a place of thanksgiving, where we can begin to not take the bait when we're at the Thanksgiving table and that family member says that thing that just really, you know, just irks us and they bring up politics or they bring up this or they bring... There's a lot of things that we can bring up and be ungrateful for right now. But it's important for us to say, God, what have you done? Can I tell you about what God did do for me this week? And this isn't about just always life being Pollyanna and perfect, but but let's be honest about where God is meeting us in our time of need and be thankful. I want to tell us a, tell you a quick story this morning about uh, blessing others. It's a story about Herbie. You see, when I was in high school, my parents were active in leadership with Youth for Christ. And one of the young adult leaders came to live with us. Now, his name was Herbie. And Herbie was a unique guy. He was witty, and he always loved wearing his wide-brim cowboy hat. And one of the things that I remember about him most is that Herbie had a few sarcastic sayings that he would apply at really odd times. And our family was involved in theater. And most of us, like me and my brother and Herbie, we liked to work behind the scenes. But my sister, my sister loved being on stage. And we did this for Youth for Christ. And all of the, the plays and musicals and things that we did had a Christian point to them. But one of them, uh, my sister was cast as a witch. And I don't remember the story, but afterwards we claimed it was typecasting. And she picked up the name Witchy Poo, which really annoyed her. And we, we would kind of teasingly call her witchy poo from here and there. After a while, we forgot about it, and she thought we all forgot. But then came her birthday, and my sister's birthday is on Thanksgiving. And Herbie was living with us at the time, and so he bought her a Christmas or a birthday gift. And he wrapped it up, and he gave it to her. And as she opened it, you should have seen her face. It was a broom with a side mirror and a bicycle horn. She didn't know whether to slug him or scream at him. And it was the perfect gift. And she was so upset. And he just looked at her and said, I was just trying to be a blessing. We all died laughing. It was the perfect phrase. And it became a phrase that our family used a lot. I was just trying to be a blessing. Mostly it was used in sarcastic ways after some dumb comment or something that was completely unhelpful. Captain Obvious over here. Just trying to be a blessing. But it helped us to step back in the midst of situations and laugh at the absurdity of things. It was a blessing to be able to laugh and to step back. It was a blessing to to, to know that in the midst of the situation that somebody cared. Herbie cared for my sister. He, He was a friend. He was like an older brother. And he cared for all of us as a family. And sometimes when he would say, I was just trying to be a blessing, he was getting to a deeper point. And that point is this, that as much as it's sarcastic, there's this idea that speaks to a deeper truth that, that all of us are called to be a blessing to each other. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's the Christian life. And, and so in this life, we have a choice. We can either barter or we can bless, but you can't do both. And they come from two different hearts. They come from two different places. One is about taking what is mine or, or trying to get for me, and it's, it's about no take backs. And the other is from a place of open hands where we just say, God, thank you so much. God, I just want to bless you and I want to bless those who are around around me and maybe people who 
are disadvantaged or don't have what you have given me. And God, I just want to bless others. And so this Thanksgiving, we're going to be given a lot of choices as to how we respond in difficult and hard situations. And I want to challenge us to live from a heart of thankfulness and to bless. And so I, as we leave this sermon this morning, I want to challenge us with this, with this takeaway. I want us to think about how we can bless others. And we can think about two people that we can bless this week. My wife's pastor growing up, Dave Hess, used to say that generosity begets generosity. You see, our attitudes are contagious. We can either be bitter and negative, and that's contagious, or we can live from a heart of gratitude, and that's contagious. So let's cultivate hearts of thanksgiving this Thanksgiving. And so I want to challenge you to bless two people this week. And, and maybe when you're out shopping or doing something or buying a Christmas gift, and those can be stressful moments. And I know that, that we're in a worker shortage, and there's a lot of people who are struggling, and, and God is calling us to respond in a different spirit, to respond in a way in which we thank those that actually showed up to work. Thank those that are going the extra mile and, and to maybe tip more. And, and God is calling us to see other people just like Hannah did. And Hannah said, God, you saw me. Thank you. Let's be like Hannah and, and not only thank God, but, but also be like Christ in that moment and thank others. Times are tough. And it's important for us to think about those who are around us and maybe write a note of encouragement or offer an act of service. Maybe we have to be creative and, and think about those who are hurting around us and how we can step out and meet people in their time of need. But my challenge to us today is we can either barter or we can bless. But this is our opportunity to be like the leper, to be like Hannah and Herbie and be a blessing. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in each one of our lives. And God, I thank you for the story of Hannah. And God, I pray that, that you would begin to change our hearts today. God, I pray that you would meet us in our times of need. And God, that you would change us, that we wouldn't just get stuck in bartering and bargaining, but we would move to a place of blessing of gratitude and of thankfulness. And so, Lord God, as, as we are in this moment, we just open our hands and we say, God, what I have is yours. This Thanksgiving and Christmas season, Lord, give me a heart of gratitude that sees this world and this life as coming and flowing from your hands. Whether it's breath, whether it's sleep, whether it's the money that's in our pocket and it may not always feel like enough, but God, help us to say thank you and to see your hand in our lives. God, thank you for your free gift of salvation that meets us in our moments of need. And God, this week, may we be a blessing to two or three people around us. May we respond in a different spirit that makes people stop and take notice. May that be our call and may that be our challenge. In Jesus' name we pray.